for the last several weeks, we've been looking at the Nazarite vow in the scripture. And on today, we're going to look at one of the most popular Nazarite individuals in the scripture, which is Samson. I believe his story is one of the most mistold stories in the Bible. On today, we're going to take a real detailed look at his life to understand this man's You were listening to Good ministry. Treasure Podcast Make Show sure you stay with tuned. your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. You're listening to the Good Treasure Podcast Show. You can find more information regarding the show on my website at DariusGood.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S-G-O-O-D.com. There you also find information regarding books that I've written from my children's series to spiritual books that I've written in regards to wisdom, in regards to the fear of the Lord, as well as the subject of divorce and Christianity. So make sure you check my website out today. Also, visit the church's website at bgc.family. There you find more information regarding our church as well as our service times and how to join us virtually for our Sunday morning services, as well as our Friday evening Bible studies, which is called PUSH. And so check out that website today, bgc.family. We've been looking at the subject of the Nazarite vow for the last several weeks. And so on today, I want to take a very detailed look at the story and life of Samson. I think his story has been mistold um, from the Christian vantage point. And my studies on the subject of divorce has led to me looking at a lot of Jewish writings, uh, teachings from rabbis, reading uh, writings from uh, Jewish sages. And in doing so, um, I took a very detailed look at the subject of the Nazarite vow. And I discovered that a lot of what Jews teach on the subject is drastically different than what Christians teach. And so on today, you're listening to episode 23, the mistold story of Samson the Nazarite. And of course, our podcast show could be found on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts if you miss any portion of today's episode. The story of Samson, he was called by God to be a judge. He's one of the few judges in the book of Judges, where we have a more detailed story of his life. Some of the judges, we just get brief details. But Samson, his story is the only story that begins before he was born. And so we have his mother having an encounter with an angel, giving very specific instructions regarding her pregnancy. I highlight this because as we looked at the Nazarite vow, Many people then turn to Numbers chapter 6, and then we get into this debate of whether or not, uh, based on what the angel said to Samson's mother, was she a Nazarite? And some will say, well, she didn't uh, follow the list 
of things to abstain from being a Nazarite. So the angel instructed her not to drink of any wine during the pregnancy. And also she was not to eat any uh, unclean thing that would defile her. And she was to maintain this during her pregnancy. Now we understand the Nazarite vow could be taken by both men and women. And also it was for a short period of time. I know some think Nazarite vows were for life. That's not true. Please go back and listen to episode 18 as we covered the three different types of Nazarites. And so when I read this passage, uh, what I see is instructions by God required by this woman during her pregnancy. And the, really the entire concept of the Nazarite is to be set apart by God for his use, which means that there will be some stipulations placed on your life. So is there a set requirement for you to follow Numbers chapter 6, where you abstain from the wine, abstain from grapes or things made from the vine, eating or drinking things made from the vine, where you abstain from the dead, where you abstain from cutting your hair? Now, in the book of the, the Jeremiah, we look at the family of the Rechabites and we see a family that abstained from wine, but they also, in addition, were nomadic people based on a covenant and obedience to their forefathers, instructions given to them. And they maintained this for, at that stage in the story, 250 years. And so when we covered that in detail in episode uh, 21, go back and check out that episode. But with that family, you don't find them abstaining from contact with the dead. You don't find them not shaving their head. And so we don't see them following the rules that we see in Numbers chapter 6. And yet it's widely accepted that this clan, this group of people, these Canaanites were in fact Nazarites. My point is, it seems as if it's not so much the requirement established in number six, as much as it's the obedience of things you're told not to do. So where Christians would say Samson's mother is not a Nazarite, I would disagree. The angels gave very specific instructions and she maintained that during the pregnancy at which point that requirement came to an end. And likewise, when we look at the story of Samson, we don't see a full requirement of the required rules that we find in Numbers chapter 6. So once again, um, I believe as Christians have taught regarding Samson being this flawed man, it's interesting that Jews have a very different perspective on it. And I do struggle with why Christians don't listen to the Jewish teaching, especially of the Old Testament, especially those that center around Torah and the Levitical requirements of living. They, they're still living that lifestyle today. And so I think they have a much better grasp of Old Testament laws and lifestyle than Christians. And yet we will argue with them about their Bible. And so as I began looking at the Nazarite taught through rabbis, um, I began to see the story of Samson, not as this flawed man. So standard Christian teachings when it comes to Samson, he was a very disobedient man, man led by his flesh, a man of violence, a man that consistently broke the laws of God, 
And these are the stories. I mean, if you Google Samson, these are the consistent story you hear in the Christian community. They ignore certain statements in Samson's story. So one is Samson married a woman that was not a Israelite. He married a foreign woman that was a Philistine. And of course, they say this went against God's law. Now, when we look at this story here in Judges chapter 14, we see that the, the father and mother were upset that he chose a Philistine woman to, to wife. But at verse four, it says, but his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he saw an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. This whole scenario was God putting Samson in place to now go to battle against the Philistines, their oppressor. This was the cries and prayers of the nation of Israel. We want to be delivered from the Philistines. God says, okay, raises up Samson and then says, marry that woman. And yet I've read Christian pastors that state that he disobeyed God. And I find that very troubling. I understand that, you know, it, it violated or the law or not necessarily a violation of the law because they did marry foreign women. And we can go right through the list of men that were married to foreign women. Joshua married a non-Hebrew. Moses married a non-Hebrew. David was married to a non-Hebrew. Boaz was married to a non-Hebrew. And we can go right through our list of men that were married to women that were not Jews. And so I find it troubling as we build this case against Samson. He breaks God's law by marrying a foreign woman. He breaks the Nazarite vow by touching a dead lion. And then we go right through the list. When he got married, then he engaged in drinking of wine. And then he cut his hair and of course, this was the last straw at which God then removed his strength. Now, in studying out the Nazarite vow and how the Jews explain it, well, there's three types of different types of Nazarites, those for life. And of course, the rules changed based on the type of Nazarite vow the individual took. Those that were Nazarites for life were permitted to cut their hair. So once again, Samson is not following the standard Nazarite vow. And we can see this in the story of Absalom. But once again, Christians argue, well, Absalom was not a Nazarite, but Jews teach that he was. And that was normal practice for Nazarites to go once a year to have their hair shaved because God permitted this as the hair became cumbersome and heavy on the head. And so they could not comb their hair because in doing so, it would remove uh, portions of the hair, which would break the vow. They could scratch their hair. And if hair came out in that way, that was permitted. But they were given the option or the ability to cut their hair once a year for a those that took the vow for a lifetime. But then we have a separate those that took the vow like Samson. And we find that the rules are slightly different with Samson. If you go back and look at what the angel says to the mother, it only talks about the hair. He will be a Nazarite for life, but he would not be permitted to allow a 
razor to touch his hair. So in, in Samson's case, we find a Nazarite for life who cannot cut his hair. So once again, those that don't understand the rules don't realize there's been a rule change regarding Samson as a Nazarite for life. So this is Judges chapter 13, verse 4. The angel says to the mother, beware, I pray thee, do not drink wine or strong drink or eat anything unclean. That's instructions to the mother. And then at verse 5, he says, for lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Well, how is he going to do that? Through this marriage. And yet Christians have a problem with him marrying this foreign woman. Now, Jews teach that based on the instructions given by the angel, they left out certain things that pertain to the Nazarite vow. And yet we still see this term, he shall be a Nazarite for life. So when it comes to the dead, this is the second area. Christians have a massive struggle with Samson. He was attacked by a young lion. He killed the lion. And then later on, he took honey from the lion and ate it. And he gave it to his parents. And we teach that he broke his Nazarite vow by touching the carcass of a dead lion. Now, Christians don't have a problem with him killing people, but they got a problem with him eating the honey from the dead lion. When you look at the Nazarite vow in number six, it specifically talks about people. If a person dies and gives the uh, example of if a person drops dead in front of you, you are now defiled. So we take that portion of the scripture and then we teach Samson defiled himself by touching a lion. Numbers chapter six goes into more detail. If your mother dies, if your father dies, brother, sister, so it's talking about relationship. No matter how close the individual is to you, you cannot participate in the mourning of their death. You can't be around them, which was a normal standard requirement for Jews. They would mourn their dead for seven days. So in this public display of being set apart for God's use as a Nazarite, you had to abstain from certain normal traditions and activities that showed the world you are you have taken a vow and you're being set apart by God. So the part that we keep missing when it came to Samson touching the dead lion was not that he broke the Nazarite vow. He broke a Levitical law. If you go to Leviticus 11, verse 23, it talks about uh, flying, creeping things, things which have four feet. God says there are an abomination unto you. And if ye shall be unclean, whosoever toucheth the carcass of them shall be unclean until the evening. This is the law that Samson broke, not his Nazarite vow. And this is why the scripture highlights the fact that his mother and father also ate from the honey, not knowing that it came from the carcass. So they were technically unclean until the evening. This was not the breaking of the Nazarite vow. When we come to him drinking wine during the wedding celebration, we don't see the requirement of the angel stating that he could not drink of the wine and that he could not eat of the, the berry. 
It seems as though that God had a very different requirement for Samson's life, and especially when he is endued with supernatural strength, where this man became a one-man army to fight against the Philistines. He would have violated the vow every time he slew an individual. If they drop dead in his presence, he's now defiled. And also within the understanding of the Nazarite vow, if a Nazarite, one who's taken the vow, came across a dead individual, they were required by the law of Moses to dig a ditch, to dig a grave and bury that person. They could not walk past them and leave their dead body there. So now they were defiled. And of course, Numbers chapter six explains the process of now becoming clean. So these were some of the rules that were a part of this vow that Christians completely miss or don't understand. And so if Samson, whose calling is to be a man of war, how then would the Nazarite vow apply to him if he's constantly being defiled in the presence of dead people? So once again, Christians highlight the dead lion, but have no problem with the dead people. And he literally killed over 4,000 people. I heard one Christian man actually explain that he must have been using the jawbone and throwing it at people so that he wasn't coming into direct contact with them. I mean, we're just making up all kinds of stories to make sure that some parts of the story work, whereas other parts of the story don't which doesn't make any sense to me at all. And so I'm going to go through and explain in these last few minutes, um, as I've read through this story many times, Samson being one of the individuals that's always uh, I've gravitated to, his story has been gripping to me, to really understand this man, I think he had a very complex ministry. I think the rules of engagement, the requirement for him was very different And I think he lived within those requirements up until he allowed a razor to touch his head. That was the requirement stated by the angel. And in doing that, we do see the removing of the strength. And so I believe God ordained for this man to marry the Philistine woman. In doing so, he became the son-in-law to a Philistine. So now we see the intermarriage of the Israelites and the Philistines. Understanding this, that Samson's called to be a judge. The way Moses structured their legal system, every city had a judge. We can find this explained in Deuteronomy 16, verse 18, as Moses establishes this system, judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates. Now the gates refers to the gates of a town, or a city, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. So we understand every city had judges, and the way their system was set up, their lowest court required a tribune system. Three judges, minimum three judges. When it came to capital punishment, it required 23 judges. When it came to the great Sanhedrin, Then we had a requirement of 71 judges. That's the 70 elders plus one being Moses. So with Samson being the judge, he judged the nation of Israel for 20 years. He, in essence, sat in the seat of Moses. 
So you had other judges that were functioning. When you think of Deborah, all the judges selected by God to be judges in the book of Judges. And also we have Samuel and Eli. And we also find Solomon sitting in that seat as a judge. Um, these were people that sat in the seat of Moses as being, in essence, the Supreme Court. So this would mean that Samson had a relationship with Israel, being a judge and functioning as a judge. But we find also a lot of contact with the Philistines, often in their towns, often in their cities. And a part of this was established through this relationship with this marriage. So Samson's father-in-law is a Philistine. Let's go through some key details in the story of Samson. Number one, he marries a foreign woman, a Philistine woman, which now Philistines viewed Samson as being the son of or son-in-law of a Philistine. So it changes how they viewed him. They didn't view him as an Israelite. And so all the stories that we have, the constant contact between Samson and the Philistines, what we really see is diplomatic relationships. And having things established in this vein, what it did was it took a lot of heat off of Israel. So Samson is governing or judging the nation of Israel, and yet he's spending a lot of time in the cities of the Philistines. So as we look at the details of Samson's story, he marries this woman, and then out of uh, this riddle um, that he, he proposes to the nation of the Philistines, they find out the answer. It leads to Samson being upset. And then the spirit of the Lord God comes upon him. I find it weird, weird that Christians are okay with the storyline of Samson living a rebellious lifestyle. And yet the spirit of the Lord is consistently coming on Samson. When we find Saul in a rebellious state, once God rejects Saul, we see the spirit of the Lord God leaving Saul, and it never came back. Throughout the scriptures, whether it's Saul, David, Ahab, you could just you name it. When these men got themselves in trouble with God, there was always a prophet sent with room for repentance, forgiveness, and restoration. But Samson, we teach that even in his rebellious state, the spirit of the Lord God is consistently coming upon him. So he kills the Philistines as part of this riddle, and it leads to him leaving. His wife then, it was given to a companion. So now she's technically in an adulterous relationship, but she's not a Jewish woman. So more than likely, Samson did not have a marriage agreement, a ketubah, a contract established with this woman. So she enters into a second marriage, at which point Samson no longer touches her. Because by law, by Jewish law, by law of Moses, he cannot touch her if she's been uh, had a conjugal experience with another man. It would cause him to be defiled. So we see him now angry, and then he lights the, the foxes, their tails on fire, sending them through the uh, fields, destroying their crops. This is an act of war. This is not a man throwing a tantrum. This is a man engaged in battle against a foreign nation. How do you win battles? It's not just the killing of individuals, but it's destroying of their food supply, their water supply, 
destroying their ability to communicate. All these are acts of war. So that's the first thing we, we see with Samson. This led to the Philistines taking this man's wife and burning her to death. So they killed the wife as well as the father-in-law. So the story of Samson is really a man who lost his wife through whatever, infidelity, lost his wife through uh, foreign customs. It's, it's a broken marriage. He lost his wife and then she was murdered. So now he engaged in the warfare against the Philistines. God uses him mightily using the jawbone of a donkey. He kills all these men. And then we, we, we ignore this one experience. He is so thirsty after engaging in warfare against the Philistines that he calls on God and God opens up a hollow point in the earth, allowing water to come up to give uh, water, providing water supernaturally to, to Samson so that he could quench his thirst. We have another story where the nation of Israel, the Judah, comes to Samson to bind him, to turn him over to the Philistines. Because with him now killing the Philistines, they're ready to go to war against the Israelites. We, we missed the, the fact that Samson is the only Israelite judge that does not lead a nation, an army against their oppressors. Samson never led a army against the Philistines, and in doing so, the people were never attacked. Samson fought them on their own soil, in their own cities, protecting the people, the Israelites. So it's such a unique ministry. It's not, we focus so much on flaws and just the strength, but we miss out on the uniqueness in which the way God used him. Samson was used in a form of foreign diplomacy, such a unique ministry. Thank you for joining us on today. If you're listening to my radio, join us again next week. If you're listening to my podcast show, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Be blessed. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure.